Hey everybody, this is Taylor Tibbetts with Gakim Technologies and the Gakim University podcast. Excited to bring you an elk calling webinar today. This is one given by the ElkNet Paul Medell and Cody Kellum of Born and Raised Call Company. Uh, we've pulled the audio from the webinar and are putting it into a podcast episode. These guys take a bunch of questions over a wide variety of elk calling um, scenarios and situations that were posed by the attendees. So um, hard to describe exactly what you're going to get, but you're going to get a lot of good stuff here. We hope you enjoy, so tune in and um, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Okay, looks like we're live, everybody. Um, welcome out to uh, this webinar today. Excited to have uh, the Elknet Paul Medell and uh, Cody Kellum from Born and Raised Outdoors and Born and Raised Call Company with us today. Paul, Cody, how you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, I'm doing great too. I'm ready to get this thing rolling. Yeah, we are too. And I, I see the uh, comments coming in from the gallery already. Uh, a lot of familiar names there too, guys. I'm excited to to see y'all um, showing up for this webinar and, and looking forward to talking elk hunting with everybody. So the way things are going to go tonight, um, my name is Taylor with Got Game Technologies. Uh, we're the developer for the Elknut mobile app. Um, Paul's our expert on the app as well as the owner of Elknut Outdoor Productions. Um, and we've done a few of these webinars together. First time that we've been able to, to get on one with Cody though. Um, Cody's the owner operator of Born and Raised Call Company. Um, you know him from uh, uh, all the all the born and raised outdoor stuff on YouTube for years and years, and excited to have this group come together. Um, today's webinar um, has been sponsored by Exo Mountain Gear. Um, we're going to give away a hundred dollar gift card to Exo at the end of the webinar to one uh, random webinar attendee as kind of a door prize. So we thank Exo for that, um, and then obviously you know the Elknet app and, and Born and Raised Call Company are also sponsoring uh, today's webinar as well. So we want to get right into it, um, guys. Uh, feel free to start cranking on the questions. Uh, we're going to open up with a little intro from Cody. Cody's going to talk to us a little bit about a subject that's been on his mind. And then Paul's got a specific user question. Somebody emailed in that will kind of launch the discussion into the question and answer. So, um, Cody, it's all you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me on here. I'm, I'm excited. I, um, just been awe inspired by what Paul has done with Elknut and being to be a part of this, uh, is, is really cool. But, uh, I kind of want to talk on tonight, first topic, it seems like a lot of questions come through on solo hunting, solo calling elk, and how to go about that. And uh, it's been one, you know, I, I went kind of dug into the archives, and we've been filming so long, there's always two of us in the woods, so I never feel like I'm solo hunting. But <laughs> when, we're, when we're in that scenario, guy running the camera is just there to film. So um, have quite a bit of experience on the solo calling and, and how it all comes together. And the big thing I think that uh, I would just talk through is setup. Setup's critical for this. Um, you know, if you've got a bull going, uh, using the terrain and cover is going to dictate how that bull is going to come in. And it's, it's one, um, you know, like for us hunting Roosevelt's a lot of times we have a lot of thick cover. So you want to be where he can see where that sound came from. So if that's in range, that's going to be one of those critical points. So setting up where if you've got a little finger ridge, a little bump in the terrain, 
when he comes up onto that to see where that sound's coming from, you can make that shot and that uh, and being in close proximity to that. And a lot of times too, is where from your last calling location, that bull's moving in, getting closer is making your last call quietly and fastly moving up to cover that ground. Uh, so you're not giving away your exact position from where that, uh, where you are as a shooter. So you kind of, kind of play through that cat and mouse game. And then a lot of times too, it seems early season tactics, um, solo calling can be really good because that curiosity side of it, they, they may come in silent, came in, come in quiet and they're just coming there to investigate what's going on. And, where I have seen and had good success is, is early season side of it. Solo hunting. So um, just a quick, you know, I mean, I, it all comes down to the, that setup and being able to shoot from the location that that bull can see where he thought that sound was coming from and being in range, I think is one of the critical factors there. And then also using direction and volume in your calling. Um, if you're solo, not necessarily, you're going to, if that bull is approaching, just a full loud scream right in its face. Um, using that tube to turn turn back behind you, muffle it down behind you, anything like that, um, and, and kind of give the illusion that that elk is back further. So, just just a couple uh, thoughts on solo calling. Yeah, that's great, Cody. Thank you, Paul. Anything to add on solo calling before you uh, tackle the user question that you had? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there, you know, and I'm sure Cody could have covered more, too. He's trying to be somewhat brief to, you know, hit the nail on the head there. And and, and, he, and he did, uh, you know, when in solo, just a little bit uh, for myself, I always have to take into consideration I'm going to be playing two roles. I know I have to play caller shooter. And so when I move, I'm always have a predetermined spot. Of, of approximately where before I start calling to finish it off, I know about where I'm going to go. I know which way the wind's going. I already know if the wind's going to my right. So, you know, being in enough encounters, I realize that calling from here and going which direction, the wind for me is what dictates what direction I'm going to go because I want the least resistance where that elk could come if he decides to try to win me coming in. If I go this way and the wind's going, he has to come all the way around me and he's not going to make it. And, and, and one of the things I try to do, uh, and maybe Cody does too, is when I'm solo, I always try to have something with me. I pick up a rock or I pick up a real heavy piece of wood, you know, anything available. I like a rock best because sometimes that bull's coming in where I don't want him to. And so I try to redirect him by tossing. If he's coming in too wide or too far out, I will try to throw something over there. Boom, 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 boom. And a lot of times he'll catch that, you know, even though I don't visually see him. He, it will redirect him where he's hearing the sound that possibly that's where that elk is or an elk is. And more times than not, I've watched him go toward that sound, even though I called from here last and moved like Cody said. You know, so it's just little things like that that I will try to play uh, into the role because I've I've basically screwed up so many times in the past. You know, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. this is where we're elk hunters. And so we try to learn from our mistakes and roll with them so that the percentages increase a little bit more in our favor. But no, everything he said, I mean, he, he's spot on. I mean, you have to do these types of things as a solar hunter. If you don't, you're going to waste the next five to eight years of your life trying to figure them out where he just shared enough information that will get you up in that higher percentage of a possible shot opportunity. And that is all we're all looking for. 
there's nothing perfect out there and you know as a as a shooter or hunter you got to be prepared you never know what angle you're going to get on that elk you don't know if he's going to come at you or quartering to you quartering away broadside you know there's so many things and i've watched hunters over the years of, of hunting with so many that guys will like take only a broadside shot and it's so frustrating sometimes because they give away so much out there because they don't understand an elk's anatomy so all in all i'm sure there's more on the subject but but i think those are the meat and potatoes of you know of the combination of the two thoughts here yeah so question related to solo hunting real quick from the uh, attendees. We had a question about whether or not you guys uh, would recommend using a decoy for solo. Cody. Yeah. So I, this is one I think we, I've never implemented personally, but I feel like there's definitely some advantage to a decoy, um, especially in more open country where the site's going to be uh, advantageous to that elk and in drawing it away. Same deal as like that, last position you call from pop that decoy up um like paul said move according to the wind and it can give visual confirmation to where maybe that bull you know it's it's 80 yards but he's still got to come you know another 40 yards to get you a shot opportunity um using that as a, a distraction in that point uh, i think yeah did i think cody got cut off froze there a little bit but i think we got you back okay yeah no so just kind of talking through like i think a, a decoy is a good tool for a solo hunter um like i said i personally have never deployed one um but i feel like it could definitely make or break a setup and especially in more open country yeah i'm like cody i'm not a decoy guy either um i've i have used them and you know, I, I mean, when we're doing webinars like this and stuff, you guys, I, I, I want to be just perfectly blunt and honest. I'm not going to I'm not trying to sell a product here or do anything like that. I just want to I, I want to offer information just from my past experience. And I have used them personally. I don't like them. I think they're a pain in the butt. I don't like the fact that when I put them up, I've had to go back and pick them up in the because the setup required two or three more setups. You know, it happens during elk hunting. You have the perfect scenario of saying I have the elk set up here, a butt decoy or a Miss September. And I say all these because I have them but I've, and I've tried them. And out of all the elk we've taken and it's over 200, we've never used a decoy yet ever. And 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 whether it's open country or whether it's uh cambodia i mean we hunt a lot of super thick stuff just like cody does and my setup is everything I, I i learned years ago that if i can set up where i keep the elk coming in search mode i got them and it took me years to figure that out to because i want to see him coming who doesn't i want to see him coming from 100 or 90 or 80 and 70 and say but i once i race that out of my mind and realize i i can't i can't do that even though it's a it's a human nature thing to want to see them coming if there's two of you that's a lot easier but when there's one and so i'm not a decoy person i prefer a, a setup that is rock solid or i don't call from it if i'm calling in semi-open country i'm not calling in sagebrush a lot 
maybe for a location. But if I decide call a little, it may look flat, but you got a lot of these little drops in there. Maybe they're only six feet deep or seven or eight. It's enough that your sound can come from that and still create the, the, the curiosity or the challenge or whatever you're doing or calling them because you're using a sound that is asking them to come over to you. But you got to use those spots of, 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 of uh, concealment whether it's that or rocks or timber or whatever, uh, you have to use those things if you're going to keep the elk coming. If they're if they start looking where the source is coming from and can't see it, that's where they're going to hang up, and that's where issues uh, arise. And again, I speak from personal experience of blowing so many setups like that. Whereas now I try to remove that from the equation. I do everything I can before I call and try to finish it off. I know about what I'm looking at, and I it, it's just like you know I'm, I'm not trying to say oh we need to look at the ElkNet app, but when you see that video that Taylor and I and, and the other guy, Jack, did, you're going to see how we use the lay of the land and all the creases and the, and, and the rocks and the timber and where the elk is coming from. And, and when you start using those things strategically, it becomes natural after a while because you start seeing success from it and your confidence builds. I can call these elk in. I can be right by myself. And as long as I use the lay of the land for it, they're going to keep coming. And you have to have the confidence in your calling that what you're doing is going to keep them coming because you are not going to see them until they're right there. And if they're coming in vocally, that's sweet. But I experienced something that Cody does a lot that, that, that he's experienced. And that is a lot of times these days, these elk come in silent, but they come in. So yep. I'll take it. <laughs> yes. They that's, do. Yeah. That's the, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit on the, the correlation Turkey calling. Mm -hmm. It's like when they shut up, it's when they're coming. That's you know, exactly right. I agree hundred you percent. Know, yeah. Yep. It's like when, when, when those bulls shut up, it's like, get ready. It, mm -hmm. You know, you might hear a stick pop. You may not, but be ready. And yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of times it's, they aren't all coming in screaming the whole time and in your face. It's, it's, they'll shut it's up. great when it happens. Though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's level 10, right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> uh, when it doesn't happen that way, um, yeah. you just got to be ready and, and be patient in that. Like you said, having the confidence in your setup and your, and your calling. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's great, Paul. Well, good. That might be a good time to transition, Paul, over to your um, user question about. I will use an advertising sequence when I get into a bull's bedding area. Um, so that's one instance. Matt, doesn't matter if he has a hot cow or not. When you get into a bull's bedding area, especially a mature bull or several satellites, the satellites are curious who you are. The herd bull doesn't want to share his area, period. I don't care if it's August the 30th. He doesn't want to share it. And so if you display in his area, uh, and I start with an advertising sequence, it's my favorite way to do it. And it usually he'll engage. Sooner or later, he will engage. The satellites, not so much. Rarely do they engage. They come in silent. And so that's an instance I will use an advertising sequence, but I can escalate it into a full send challenge. I can do anything I want with it. But when I'm doing them, I use no cow sounds. But it, just so there's not a, a, a confusion uh, of when I, when I say advertising sequence, that it just applies in every direction. It doesn't. So that's how I would use something like that without going into the nuts and bolts of it. The question the other guy had, the, the actual viewer, was, how far away am I from elk that I believe are there from I saw them go in the timber and they're not saying anything or I heard one a half a mile away? How do I know when I'm going to move forward uh, using an advertising sequence? Well, the fact is I don't move forward. 
I stay put. I do not move. When I'm using an advertising sequence, when a bull's not engaging, saying nothing whatsoever. And so, it be, and, and a lot of times they're so far away, I cannot really size them up. I can't, I hear their sound, but I can't read the emotion enough to say, uh, that's a mature bull. And, 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 and Cody knows what I mean. When you hear a mature bull, my God, there's no question in it. And you hear a raghorn, uh, there's really, it, it could be that it is a bigger bull. And he's just downplaying it a little bit because of he's not feeling his oats. But those are few and far in between. Very, very few. And so I always use that sound uh, uh, from hearing thousands and thousands of bugles over 40 years. You, you kind of get an idea about what you're dealing with. But when I'm going to set up on a bull or bulls, I've called as many as seven in at one time that I never even knew were there. And they come in silent. That's one thing. But outside of that, I set up and play on the curiosity. And I, li I literally have probably called over 100 bulls in that just came in out of just wanting to know who I was, making not one little peep. Many times I got the advantage because as a bull will come in and he wants to know who you are, you'll find he gets in that 40 to 60 yard range and he doesn't say anything. He just starts raking. And the reason they do this is they're display, they display for you and they want you to see them and they want to see you. They, they want to size each other up. And, and a lot of times you'll see younger bulls do this. This isn't usually a mature bull. It's usually the younger ones, little fives, five by sixes, and they're all fine on over the counter hunts. I'm not passing them. I'm yeah. he's going to get an arrow. I mean, I'm honest to God. I mean, he's going to get an arrow out of all the elk I've killed. Probably a third of them are five points. And I'm proud of every darn one of them. They're, they're over the counter kills, you know. And, but so, so really to this guy who asked a question, once I set up, if I hear a bull or see a bull at a certain distance or hear him, I do my best to try to get in that two to 300 yard range. That's what I do. Because if he doesn't sound off again, and I hunt a lot of stuff like Cody does, that's real thick. It's really hard once you make that move of a couple hundred yards of exactly where he was and how far is he still? It's things change when you're in that thick stuff and it's like, and he won't say anything. And so it's like, I can't get him to say anything either. And so now I'm going to set up and I'm going to go through the advertising sequence and I'm just going to moan and groan and give a few little growls. And I mean, I am being as creative with every sound I can think of, nothing challenging. And you cannot believe how bulls will come to that. They just come like a magnet and it, it is so fun to do. But you got to be on top of your game. And, and as I've gotten older, my hearing isn't as good. And a lot of times uh, these bulls will sneak in on me. And I swear that it looked like they were dropped from a helicopter. It was like, where did they come? He's right there. I, mean, I didn't hear anything. I didn't up on an advertising sequence is, is, is I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in that distance of two to 300 yards. And I can't even remember the last time I did an advertising sequence on a mature bull or satellite and moved in. To reset no way once i get going with the sounds i tell you they come in and i can't even tell you the last time one ever tried to come downwind on me it just doesn't happen they come straight at you the shortest distance and and, and what i found over the years no matter what situation you're dealing with or, or or sounds the reason a bull comes in downwind or cows or anything comes in is suspicion is has arisen and that is the trigger to it and and the reason i say that is because of just all the experience I've had of calling so many elk in over the counter, do it yourself, public land. And I mean, I'm trying to think back. I can't even remember the last elk that came in downwind. They just don't do it. But hunters speak of it and they want to set up for the downwind side. And, 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 and it's because something's wrong. 
maybe a flicker or a guy lost uh, his focus as he's waiting. He's grabbing his hat, any little thing like that. And these elk are looking and they see something move that doesn't represent the species. And now they're going to trust that thing right there and they'll make that nose work for them. But I find that more times than not, you will watch elk will come straight at you. And I mean, highly pressured elk. If you're doing your job right and you don't let them wind you or see you or the cows or spikes or anything, they will come that shortest route. Uh, and you know, that's been my experience anyway. So I, I use that even on the advertising sequence. I told you I wasn't going to rattle on, but it's so hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> so we did have a user. We did have so a user good. question come in about the kind of timing of using the advertising sequence. Um, Cody, is this some, is the advertising yeah. sequence something that you guys implement um, in your repertoire? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely try to like spark on that emotion side of it and build it if we can. Um, but early season seems like th that's exactly what Paul's talking through. Um, uh, typically, just out of boredom, we throw a cow call in there. You know, not not it's not an intentional call, but it it is to fill the space per se. Um, <laughs> yeah. I agree with Paul. I think not, especially when they're quiet, you can't pinpoint exactly where they're at. And if they have moved over that course of time, trying to reset on them without knowing exactly where chances are, you're going to make the move wrong. Nine times out of 10, they're going to bust you while you're trying to slip in closer and try, you know, everyone's always thinks that you have to be in that hundred yard. We've had bulls come from a long, like seven, mm -hmm. 800 yards. You know I mean? We're, um, so it, it definitely, I, I, I agree on being patient, find the spot that you're going to stick to and stick to it and, and let it work for you. Yeah. One thing I was going to add a lot of times when I'm doing that advertising sequence is, is I'm an extremely persistent person is, is I, when I start a setup, you rarely see me give up on it. I mean, I am so insistent that I can pull this guy in. And so sometimes when I'm going to that advertising sequence, because it's part of that question, is I didn't get to it, but I carry a set of antlers on my back. And most people will know if they're ever around me. I carry a three by four, four. It's a four by five, but I cut some of the stuff off. And so a lot of times when I'm going to that advertising sequence, once I get into the 15, 20 minute realm, and I should add that, it's nothing for me to do this for half an hour because they're very slow about it coming to you. But a lot of times bulls will start sparring and tickling and so after 15 20 maybe depending it's a gut feeling it's not a, a timing thing i'm looking at my watch is I, i'll bring the antlers out and i'll start clicking them clacking them like another bull came in and they're sparring you know a lot of times that's all they'll do they're not fighting to the death they click 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 and a lot of times you'll just give those little sounds and 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 of, of you know of the little growl or a little pop of a grunt and a lot of times when bulls will push each other around You'll hear them. They'll make this noise right here. And so I use this. You'll hear them go. I don't know if you can hear that, yeah, but it's, they're going. And I've watched bulls do it. And they're not even fighting to the death. They're just and they'll they'll start breathing real heavy and they'll give that wheeze. And I've watched them just wheeze it. And then they'll go click, 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 click and, and stomp their feet and move. Then you're hitting the brush and they'll just kind of, get, you know, kind of. Just little stuff. You're not bugling for the world to hear you, but I play that up because I watched them do it. And so a lot of times when I'm going to the advertising sequence, I just don't go with the bugling. I'll start clinking the antlers if I think things are taking too long. And like I said, I'll give those little wheezes. I may just give a little pop of a grunt. You know, they're, they're very curious of who these elk are. And at no time have I really put sounds out there where they can really size me up, you know, emotionally. It's just regular little... <laughs> 
you know, little stuff, you know, nothing major. And, and you know, doing that sound right there, I've called a lot of bulls like that, locating in open country where I just made that sound and they sparked right back off that weren't answering much of anything else. I know that goes off base, but, and I just get rattling about elk. But anyway, so don't forget about those antlers, man. I use it in the slow play. I use it in the breeding sequence. I use it in advertising. Uh, you know, there's just situations where, man, rattling antlers, I tell you what, click them and then click sticks together. And you're going to see the difference in the tone. Are the elk that, you know, curious about it where that makes a difference? Probably not. But I think it up here, you know, so it, that part, means a lot to me. It's part of that confidence. That it, <laughs> yeah, honestly, exactly. You know, I mean, it really is. Yeah. And they don't break. So I can rake with them. How many times are you hitting a stick and raking it breaks and you're looking bloody for knuckles. another one? <laughs> yeah. You're not but doing anyway. your job if you don't have bloody knuckles and you're raking you know? There you go. <laughs> hey, guys. So we've gotten um, two or three questions about hunting around wallows and water, um, whether that be the time of year that you're hunting around water or, you know, maybe you found a good wallow location um, that's gotten a lot of activity and you want to call from there or in the neighborhood. What are some strategies that, that you guys use when you're hunting around water? Cody. So uh, honestly, I have two, two bulls that, that I personally have been involved in killing on a wallow. Um, one was, this was to date me, this was back like 2006, probably um, hunting the east side of the state. It was hot and dry and it was like the only north face timber pocket. And I found, stumbled across a wallow, sat down. I had cow called a few times and in 10 minutes bull came in, plopped into the wallow. And I mean, it's just right place, right time. I, I mm -hmm. you know, and, and got him killed. And then two years ago in Wyoming, we had a case where our sitting there and we did not hear a sound. We didn't call. And all it was like the time I'd taken a nap, <laughs> woke up and literally woke up to a bugle and those elk got on their feet. It was mid afternoon. It was like two o'clock and Next thing you know, here they all come. And the whole herd of elk, I mean, we were surrounded. For, for whatever reason, the elk gods were looking down on us because the wind was perfect. We, were, we had elk 270 degrees around us, but the wind was just coming right wow. off the corner right there. It was elk behind me, but, you know, it was, it was all played out. And uh, we killed that bull coming right out of the wall. He came in, plopped in for 10 minutes, splashed around, came out completely muddy. Um, and it's, it's definitely, I think, if, if you're, if you don't feel strong in the calling aspect, I think in, um, you know, maybe you don't want to cover a bunch of ground, like sitting a wallow can be, if you have the time and that's, you, you'd rather set up an ambush. I think it's a great play, but you run that risk. You might sit there for seven days and not see an elk. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that, that's the flip side of it. Yeah. I'm a, uh, wallows, water sources, uh, you know, they're crapshoots. Unless you have a, a camera sitting on them uh, for the last three weeks or whatever, and you're getting some good timestamps and you know what the elk are doing there, uh, then that, you know, it, it pretty much alleviates the fact that you really need to call at all because you know about what they're doing and when they're coming. And maybe it's every other day. Maybe it's every day. I have noticed uh, over the years that elk hit the wallows super hard till about September 10th. And, and it dies off really fast. It doesn't mean they won't use them again, but they're preoccupied. Why? Cows. cows <laughs> the cows yep. are starting to come in and they're gathering them and the cows are coming to heat and they're redirected. And the bull that might have been at that wallow is now looking for hot cows. You know, it doesn't mean he won't. And, and, and again, on public land over the counter and watch them, watch their use, watch how they react, how, how they call, what they do. 
and 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 rarely do I ever find a bull when I'm physically watching him leave the wallow without urinating in it and without splashing around. Some are more violent than others. And he'll go and rub the nearest bush or tree nearby because they have that scent gland between, between the rosette and their eye. And they will rub that. All this is, is huge for me because if a stranger comes in there, a, an intruder type a, a bull, a different bull comes in, they'll leave their scent card, whether urination or that scent. But when I watch elk come into the wallow, there a lot of times they'll bugle their way before they come in. It's not every time, but a lot of times. Why are they doing that? They want to know if something's there. So they'll bugle here, bugle here, bugle here. And the next thing you know, nothing's answered and they enter it. So if you're sitting and wallowing a bull's bugling there, you know, nearby, the same as water sources, same thing is they will bugle before they go to them. And I, I don't call it all. None. When I hear that bull bugling, there is no cow calling. There is no bugling. There is nothing because I know he wants to come in there. And if he feels there's a possible confrontation, and a bull answered, he may just go ape crap and just fly in there. And he may also go the other way. So why even go play the 50-50 card when you already know he's coming in? And so I usually won't do that. But when I get to a wallow in the bedding area, and when I say in the bedding area, they're within earshot of me. I'm not saying they're 50, 80 yards from me. I've had them that close, but a lot of times they're usually between a quarter and a half mile. I mean, they are. Then there's a lot of them in the feeding area. Some in transition. They're too far from the bedding. So anytime after 9, 930 in the morning, I try to find the wallows that are near the bedding area. That's where they're at the remainder of the day. For the next seven, eight hours, they're in that proximity. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I will give a couple of bugles as I head to that wallow because I know where they're at unless I just stumble on something accidentally. But I will do that. I will call to that wallow and then I will get to that wallow. And I will splash it and beat it and beat it and splash. And then I will give a bugle out of there. And usually it's not a challenge bugle. It's just a, like exercising his voice bugle. And he'll rip that bugle off and he may stop and listen. I'll beat around again a little bit. I'll stay. Gives them a direction when they get up. And they, they'll come and they want to scent check that entire area where he possibly urinated, where he put his scent gland up on any tree. And you'll see a lot of times they rub the same damn tree. The same one that's been rubbed. It's like they go over there and, and just rub it in, you know. I don't know what it is exactly. I'm speculating there. But they'll rub that same thing. But a lot of times on these slow times on that when there's not a lot of activity out there, but those elk are around, you can see the sign all around you. It's an active wallow. It's being used, but the guy's not defensive over it. So these are times where you can either sit there and wait them out, and they can show, or you can just hightail it out of there and cover four more miles in search of another elk you know seriously but a lot of times i will stay right there or if there's a couple of us we will stay there but i love playing that game of making them think i left it's to me that's a real important uh, feature it's just part of the strategy it doesn't mean it works every time but i'll tell you where it works a lot of the time so you know it's just worth considering yeah i i think you're spot on with that i like that play through the whole scenario that an elk was there and let him come in and let that curiosity kill him. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So a few questions have come in that there's sort of this kind of new age conventional wisdom that we shouldn't call as much um, as elk hunters or that, you know, elk are being overcalled to um, how would the two of you respond to that? Uh, I can see I, him the way he's laughing. Yeah, we already yeah. agree. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've definitely felt it from people comment. It's like, you guys bugle way too much. You, you call too much. Um, you know, I, 
our personal thing is like, I want to call an elk in and kill him. Like, so, you know, there's lots of ways to go about hunting and killing them. And there's, there's no wrong way. If you're successful, like I, if you want to sit in a blind and do that, that's more power to you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel being realistic as possible um, and being loud. I, I still don't think you can, a human can blow a bugle as loud as a bull. Can bugle. Um, you know, they're just, you don't have the same size lungs. So um, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive on the call from day one, opening day. Like we start here usually the last Saturday in August and we've had bulls scream. We've called bulls in on opening day. Like it was September 20th, um, you know, so effectively, and they, they, they do the same path as the next guy. If they, if they'll drive their truck to the end of the landing, walk out to the edge where every Tom, Dick and Harry is let a bugle from, no, nope, there's nothing here and go on to the next, um, where there is possibly a bull in earshot. So I think the big thing for us uh, in our approach and calling is like, how can you be different about it? How can you cover the, the terrain, but add realism to what you're doing it while you're calling. So, and calling with purpose, right? It's like having intent behind it and understand what you're doing and when you're doing it uh, is key. I think for, for getting a bowl to crack off. No, I agree. I'm a, I'm a caller. <clears throat> and I mean, it doesn't matter what day of the month. People do ask myself that a lot, just like you said, you know, basically how do you change your strategy from pre-rut to peak rut to post? I don't change anything. I, I, I use whatever I think is going to work for that day. I don't look at the calendar date. I could care less. <clears throat> so it's, it, and, and I'm not that guy that says if the elk aren't talking, I don't talk. Are you kidding me? I'm going to get him to talk. I mean, yep. that's what you got. You got to have that confidence. I mean, who, I might as well just go be a rifle hunter. If all I want to do is sneak around and tiptoe through the bedding area and, 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 and not use any calling, but mostly cow calls because they feel they're safe. And most likely they're not going to run everything out of the woods because they feel bugling runs everything away. And, 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 and I think a lot of that is because guys, not only are they, do they try to bugle, they don't understand the time of day when they're trying to use their bugle and what's going on. It's like when you catch an elk in the, in the feeding area and you catch elk in there, whether it's a lone bull, there's a whole bunch of them. They're usually only there 45 minutes to an hour. If they're not pressured, somebody's coming from another direction. If they're left alone, you'll find that's about how long they'll be there within reason. And then they leave. And then the next, who knows how far they're going to go. Depends how open the country up out of there. But the point is, is they're, they're, they're calling at a really inopportune time trying to bring elk back where they just came from. And yet they have a destination or purpose. And so once you catch them at that destination, that's where I usually will entertain the bugling, you know, so much more, so much more uh, along the same line as Cody. I am not a bashful caller. And, 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 and so when I'm calling and I'm looking for elk, I usually will call from a spot, especially if it's a new area that I'm unfamiliar with that I found on the map is I will use a, a spot, but I won't call again until I'm to an area where I couldn't have heard anything from where I called last. So I'm not walking every 50 yards calling. That That's not what we're referring to here. I, and, and when I do, you know, I'm usually using a location bugle more times than not. I'm not a big cow caller. So I will tell you this. I use cow calls, but I'm not huge on it. I'm much more of an 85 to 90% bull sounds and, 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 and 15% roughly uh cow sounds it's like people moving they know the elk are in there they saw them go in or they heard them and so they start walking through the timber and they're 
that's the worst thing in the world to me as an elk hunter and a killer to me that's the worst thing in the world because how many elk are going to answer that cow call seriously and i mean from 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 past experiences we want the bull to sound right off when he hears that but nine times out of ten he doesn't they sit in there in their bedding area and the next thing you know every head is like this looking over there they hear this cow and sometimes people are making noise popping sticks and that's why they'll do it they'll try to cover their sound i do not use cow sounds at that time to me, it's the worst. And again, from experience, what I do is I will make one or two chuckles as I move through. Because if you present a bull sound inside that area, that's when you get the bull to chime off. He may come up when, you know, uh, kind of a... And, and give you a little warning. He doesn't want any... When, if you'll ever notice a bull in a bedding area, you're not going to see, generally speaking, as the rut picks up or even early, you don't see three bulls bedded there. You might see a spike or something. But if there's a moving through, if I want to lose a sound, that's all I do. And I've watched bulls do this so many times, and they will do it like every 15 feet. They'll make that little sound. And they, as they move, the point is, it's a bull. If you need to make any sound at all, most of the time, anytime you do, you're going to have heads turn your way. And that's a bad thing because they're usually going to see you before them. But what I'm trying to do is get the bull to sound off to warn me to stay out of there. And, and I have found that I've got way more response out of something of that nature. I'm not walking through their bugling unless they were really, you know, they're really rutting hard. I'm talking about things that are being quiet. And, 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 and usually I will get him to at least make a sound, the bull and like, oh, they're right over here. But think about all the times you've done stuff like that, Cody, and very rare will they answer that cow call unless you just got them in the right frame of mind, but they right. just don't want to say anything to it. No. They expect you to just keep coming in. Yeah. No, I think the one thing that you, people think that, oh, the bull's just pushing his cows out of that feeding area. He's, mm -hmm. he's moving it away from the threat. And I think that, um, people give up right like at that point it's like oh he didn't want to come in like you said they're on a destination the cows we're going to bed and mm -hmm. you know that bull's bugling sounding off just tailing that herd all the way up there and so um and and i think a lot of times people hunt from 6 a.m to 9 a.m and then they hike back to camp <laughs> they spend the afternoon they take a nap they go back out at 4 p.m you know prime time right and then that's their, they, they limit themselves on the elk hunting opportunity where, and I, for me or us, especially like in that bedding areas where your higher call in ratios are going to happen mm -hmm. that, you know, is moving in in that midday, mid, mid to late morning to mid afternoon time um, where, and I think that this is a, especially a bull that's got cows, everyone's safe and content. He knows where, Sally's at, he knows where Jill's at, they, they, everything's good. That's the time that they would leave those cows. Everything's down in a short period of time. I know I've hunted with my son for 31 years with a bow. And so you put that together. So we're trying to share some information with you where there's been a lot of success. And, and, and I can tell you, we've taken over five dozen over the counter bulls. And, and these guys are taking a ton of them too. So, so I'm hoping that you guys are listening to what we're saying because we're not just rattling off some information or are we hunting some of the best private lands around or we have, you know, special things that, that we take advantage of. We don't, we're hunting the same areas that you guys are hunting and, 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 and 
we put our heart and soul into it. We practice our calling. Uh, you know, we try to use really good equipment within reason, within our affordability. And, 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 and it's what's between the ears that really gets it done. And by understanding your, your failures as well as your successes and meshing it all together. And guys, you will start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I know that in the last, I mean, if I said 20 years, I probably haven't heard, and this is no kidding you. I probably haven't heard 10 people bugle in the over-the-counter units I hunt, and we hunt heavily, heavily pressured. These people do not call. They just, they read the magazines, they, they're on the internet, and, and, and they are one-dimensional hunters. And these are the same guys that are not filling tags. Now, like Cody mentioned, you know, the, until you get the guy that maybe sits on a ground blight or sits in a tree stand and he puts his month or week, week after week in it, that guy can be successful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if he's, if he has a good location, three or four trails are crossing that go to water or to a wallow, to bedding, to feeding. Eventually you're going to get a bone thrown your way. It, these things can work. Don't get me wrong. Uh, water sources that are active, a lot of sign, a lot of scent. You're, you can actually sit those areas long enough, but it's just not my style. I, I, I'm a high adrenaline uh, at 67 years old. I don't get a lot of excitement in my life like I used to when I was 30s and 40s. And I'm telling, I'm serious as a heart attack here. When I go out there and I elk hunt, I'm calling bulls and I'm getting them to respond and I'm sucking them in because I'm doing it by will and trying to understand the level of communication and what they expect to hear at that time. And they come in. You just have no idea how satisfying that is. It is so exciting. And I don't even care if I kill the bull. It's just the fact that I beat him at his own game. But don't get me wrong. I want to kill him. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just. And then when you get the bull coming in screaming, man, that's a memory builder. And and it, 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 there is absolutely nothing. 2025 behind my son. But I mean, just to hear him tell it. And I didn't see it. It was a bench and I was just below the bench doing the calling and raking willows and I could hear the bull running. I could hear him just screaming as he came down. And that was our third setup on this bull. And when he finally had enough, our third setup and within maybe 10, 12 minutes. And when he came down, I mean, I could hear him. I knew if Paul didn't do something, this bull was coming over the top. And you know how it is if they, you guys think, oh, he's going to come over and eat me. Well, if a bull sees you, what happens, Cody? Man, he runs away. Yeah, <laughs> he's, gone. He, he's not going to horn you. He is. I wish he would, you know. But no, there, there's no if, ands, or buts when they eyeball meets eyeball. But uh, anyway, it's things like that that you will never ever forget. And I have quite a few of them like that 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 I've uh, had the luxury of, of being part of uh, with others and my son and and myself. And I tell you, you don't forget those. I forget a lot of the ones that snuck in right, and I, yeah. and I got, and that, don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate those too, but it is nothing like the high adrenaline rush. I, I bet I, Cody has a hat full of them too. Yeah, no, there's definitely been, especially in the Roosevelt woods, we've hunted some thick reprod and it's like, mm. you, you just hear them come in all of a sudden they step out and it's seven yards, you know, it's 10 yards. It's like yep. that anticipation. But I think the one thing that I uh, appreciate you, Paul, is like we have we've never hunted together. We've, no. we've you know, I've never seen how exactly how things go. But hearing you talk is almost exactly the same mindset, how we mm -hmm. go in calling how. In it. So I think there's definitely a recipe that we've both figured out over the years, like you said, with all the mistakes, um, how how to make it happen. And I. I think a lot of people always ask like, well, what's the playbook? How, you know, what's step one, what's step two, what's step three. If this doesn't happen, do I go to step four and skip, or, you know, or, and so, and I don't, 
I think getting a big fight, he, is this a fresh herd for him? You know, cows that he won over. There's all these different things that, that go into it. And there's, there's definitely not a, a single answer how to make it all happen every single time. And, and, and two, and I agree with all of it, uh, is a, there is no one thing that will only work on a bull. You could have three or four different types of tactics and everyone can work. But what I have found, the reason I choose one over the other is, is one may work a little quicker than another, a little faster. But if I'm feeling laid back, I might go, you know what? I'm not, I'm just going to go to a breeding sequence or I'm going to go to a slow play. I already know I'm going to have to be there at least 20 minutes for it. But there's something in my head that says, that's just what I want to do. It may not be the best, but it will still function. It will work. He will come or they will come if it's a group of them. And so sometimes I play on, you know what, I'm going to just call the cows today and I'm going to see if the bull will follow behind. Other days it's like, okay, my target is the bull and that's it. it, it you just have a different mindset sometimes. And and, and, and it, it you start playing with it. And then when you start being successful with it, you realize that you can almost call the shots out there anytime you want. You can just go, I'm going to go this direction. I'm going to do this. I'm going to call this cows away from them right when I get on top of them. Other times it's a direct challenge. And so by using the right emotion, a bull knows who you're talking to. When I'm trying to call his cows away, there is no question in the herd bull's mind who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to him and he knows it. I'm not using the right tone. I'm not the right sounds behind it. It's a combination of both. But when I want to talk to him, I now change my tune or tone to him and his response. If I want to try to call the cow away, and I'm not trying to call his cows. I'm trying to call the hot cow. You'll, you'll notice when there's no hot cows in the mix, bulls will uh, entertain other bulls being within their realm. Ah, big deal. They, they can't breed anything. Nothing's ready. Nothing's in heat. But as soon as they show signs, the separation happens. That's a whole different thing. That's like, nope. They all sneak around the perimeter. Don't get me wrong. These other satellites are still hanging around. But it's they're not welcome or invited. Like almost it's tolerable in the feeding and, and, and whatnot. But the point is, is that understanding how they tick and how, and how you call the cow away from them. And, and how did I learn? I've watched the satellites do it. I didn't make this stuff up. I wish I was that smart, but I've watched them. I've watched the sounds they use. And it's not one sound or two or three. It could be a half a dozen different scenarios of what that bull's feeling because they're flesh and blood. These things aren't robots where they're punching a button like they're playing a video game. No, it's, it's, it's each bull's a little different. There's some that will cow call two or three times and then scream all in one note. Other times you'll see a bull, he'll walk in and he'll just start glunking. He'll start glunking and he may just give just a short couple little chuckles and a short squeal. And you know he's talking to the cows. He's really not talking to the bull. It's the situation. He's tasting the air. He's, you know, when a bull glunks, he's usually, and this is according to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and I have a tendency to agree with it. When a bull's glunking, it's because usually the estrus or that femoral or the, the pheromone in the air is so pungent that they try to taste it. And so you'll hear him kind of going, and they're actually can taste it. That's what they're trying to do. They're not glunking to another bull and, and, and trying to cause a friction or combat. That's why when you hear bulls glunk, there's usually cows present somewhere. They may not be right in front of him, but they're there and he can smell them. And of course, you know, both bulls can glunk, both bulls can bulls, uh, bugle scream, blah, blah, blah. But when you hear bulls glunk, hardly do you ever see the little three by fours doing it. It's usually the more mature bulls, uh, even if they're not all big six points because we hunt over the counter and we're just not shooting 350 bulls here, guys. Yeah. It's more like 260, 
to 300 and a 300 is a rare one believe me on these over the counter i've killed some my son's killed them but nothing like the 260 to 280 that's much more yep. norm in actual scores you know not internet scores but that's usually about what the bulls are uh, and so being able to play it like that and using the right sound of building anticipation and excitement, a lot of times, even if, it, if it's a cow, a bull, you'll hear a bull. If he gets a little bit gnarled up because he's trying to call a cow to him and she doesn't come, a lot of times you'll hear him start panting. And it shows excitement and frustration because she's not coming as quick as he's asking her to. It's because it's us and we can't come you know i mean you're even making the cow calls there are times i will use the cow sounds exactly what cody said and i hope you guys remember what he said because he said when the cow sounds are working he stays with it that is exactly what i do when they're not working and he, what i mean by that is they're not responding the bulls aren't responding i let it go i throw yeah. it out the door i'm not going to keep hammering it because i feel oh all bulls want cows baloney there's times they could care less about them and so I stay away from it, but every bull sound, they're just hammering it. So that's how I'm going to work them. When I'm both are working, sure, I'm going to inject both. But I just find that most of the bulls that we kill by a mile are going to be through using uh, bull sounds. And I don't just mean a bugle. I just mean all the sounds that, that we have at our availability. No, that's all right, great. Cody, I start rattling on there again. <laughs> hey, hey, I got a, I got a question for you, Cody. Um, we've got a Rosie versus Rocky question. So do you change your elk calling strategy when you're hunting Roosevelt elk versus Rocky mountain elk? Nope. It's, it's the same thing. And I, I honestly would rather try to call a Roosevelt elk. They, um, they're not as vocal. Um, and I, this is all arguable, right? Situational, but generally speaking on their own, they're not as vocal as Rockies. And, and I think a lot of that terrain dictates you, you can't hear them a lot of times. Yeah. They may be, but you just till you're in their in their space. But I feel Roosevelt's are extremely territorial. Their home range is mm -hmm. a tenth of what a Rocky Bowl is. So it's like when you when you do break in that into that bedroom, they they are very aggressive. Um, and I would you know it's it's thick, it's steep a lot of times the opportunity to call one in and get them killed is I feel much more confident dropping in on a, on a bull like that um, versus Rockies in open sage type country, right? Where calling is a, is a challenge for me personally. I've had I've struggled in that open country. I just, I like the thick timber. Um, so it's the lo locate elk. Yeah. Do you call yeah, the so same, call the same, you know, location bugle side of it. Um, we, we try to stay ridge stuff up on the ridges to, to broadcast the sound where you can get, you know, when you get down in the Creek bottoms, a lot of times you can't hear the bull may hear you. He may sound off and you can't hear him. So staying the upper third of that Ridge system to where you can get that sound to travel the most efficiently. Um, you know, and a lot of times in the morning I, I try to like, if we're backpack hunting, I try to set myself up for success right out of the gate in the morning. It's like if we're on a finger and all of a sudden you're into a big drainage you can hear a long ways and it's just like start pinpointing where those sounds are coming from, put them in your back pocket and you're going to take, you know, put the boots to work to go catch up to them. Um, so I wouldn't say that it changes from daylight. I definitely, I would say the movement changes from morning to midday and we slow down typically in the app, you know, in that afternoon when we're getting into the bedding where, you morning. go take a nap. You know that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we slow down and, um, you know, I mean, 
honestly, there's times that we're we're not we're not always cranking at daylight. Honestly, like you know, especially day day twenty five straight. Like might mm-hmm. sleep in till seven eight o'clock in the morning, and you know we're we're starting hunting at, at that time. So, um, but but I would say that midday is like we're gonna we know this is a good bedding area. You know, we know it's got a nice north face timber bench. There's water around. They're going to be in that bedroom. Like we're going to slow the approach into that. Um, Where in the morning time, it's like try to cover as much ground as you can and get your ears on a bowl and then play them from there. So. Yeah, yeah, all that works. I, I <clears throat> The only thing I do different uh, and I'm and he may do it, too. He just didn't mention it uh, is. If I don't feel the location bugle is working to get him to go, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll resort to other sounds. And it's no secret. Anybody that follows us on Instagram saw, sees where I put the video up, or and it's on the app too, of, of the different sounds I'll switch to and uh, trying to get a response. And one of my absolute favorite ones is using the cow bugle. And, and, and the reason that is so powerful when, as a matter of fact, if a person, all they want to do is use a cow bugle, it's better than a location bugle. But I like location bugles. I just have had so much success with them that I enjoy it. You know, I, I, so, but when, when push comes to shove and I'm not getting any answers, when I go to the cow bugle, it is a game changer. I will get animals to answer. And why is that? What is the location bugle ask? Basically, it's kind of don't want to know where other elk are, but big deal. They do it a lot. They'll do it year round. But a, but a cow bugle asks for a direction. It asks for assistance. It asks for a reaction. You see, you don't have to really do anything with, with a bull bugle. It means it's nothing. It's like a cow call. What does that ask? Nothing. But what is a hard grunt, a nervous grunt or a bark ask? You see, it's a reaction sound and it gets elk to either freeze up or, or, you know, react to the sound. They pay attention to it. And and when cows bugle, they'll give that high note. And what's so interesting about it, and I don't know if you've noticed this uh, or not, Cody, and maybe you have, but when they bugle, they usually will do it three times in a row. And, and, and so when I hear it, I know this is a cow because I rarely ever hear a bull do this. How many times do you hear a bull bugle three times in a row nonstop? I mean, like it never. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's very rare. But when a cow does it, she'll give a note. She'll go like this right here. And and you've probably heard it. But for the listeners, not everybody is Cody Kellum here. So we want to help <laughs> everybody out there. And this is what you'll hear him do. And that's what they'll do, usually three times in a row. Sometimes it's only two, but I always do it three. And more times than not, I'll hear a bull sound off. When I sat there location bugling, and he wouldn't say anything. Wait about 10 minutes, switch to that, and he'll just sound off, letting him know we're over here. See, this sound asks for where are you guys? And it's a non-confrontational sound. Whereas, a, what is a bull doing when he's using a location bugle? And nine times out of ten, a bull is on the move. And he's using a location bugle. He wants to know where the other elk are. And what for? Because he wants to go send, check the group out and see if there's a hot cow around. You know, he's a pester. He's a pain in the butt. He doesn't have his own cows. Otherwise, he would advertise. When a bull's advertising himself, he will bugle from the same spot. 
He is sitting there advertising his position and who he is as a possible breeder bull trying to pull cows in. So now say that same bull is using uh, advertising bugles, but he's on the move. He's not staying put. You see, now all of it, come on over, guys. Yeah, come on, join the party. No, he's telling you, stay away, get back. And that's a response I'm looking for when I'm giving a location bugle and I'm moving and I have a bull telling me just to keep on moving, buddy. Don't come over here or else. And he's doing it through the emotion of his bugle. And you can hear him. He's pretty rough with it. And, it, and you're going, oh, we got one right over here. And that's what we're looking for. So you see, those bugles can mean different things. And even though the location one with the cow sound, it does not send that same message not at all and and i've got several videos where i have cows doing this and so you can just see him doing it and and i can hear a couple of elk reacting in the background on some of them but it's such a cool sound if you guys have never tried it it's a high whistle she doesn't come out with that you know at the end you don't hear any of that and she just sends that whistle out and she'll do it like i said in repetition very rare do you hear her just do it one time because even a spike sounds like that sometimes or a really yeah, young a bull. Right. But when you hear him hit him in a row and no chuckles, no grunts, she doesn't do any of it. And, and when you see him, when you're watching him on film, she's standing there like this. She's looking. She's waiting for a response. And so if I'm in areas where I really feel they're there, I will ret I'll turn to that. So I don't give up very easily. You know, I mean, if, if, if I'm thinking the location one isn't, if that's not doing it, then I go to the contact buzz through the bugle. I'll, I, I'll move. I might move a quarter mile and I'm still calling the same drainage and I will go straight to the contact buzz. I mean, on high energy, high level and going through the bugle and that, you know, where they're vibrating. I, some people call it an extra buzz. I call it the contact buzz. But when I'm doing that and just for the listeners, all it is, is a, but I'll get very loud with it and long. Two, three seconds, and I'll do maybe 10, 12 of them. Oh, yeah. Watch cows do it a lot, and they'll just scream that. And it's more of an urgent, demanding, where are you guys? She cannot find them. Maybe she was moved around by hunters. She got separated, wolves, bears, mountain lion. I don't care what it is. The point is, is it gets a reaction from elk when nothing else will it's, give them it's away. That urgent, you're, you're, putting out that, you're putting out that urgency of. You bet, and exactly long. That. Yeah. And she'll get, yeah. if you go to the app and you listen to the contact buzz, listen to that cow. She is giving, how many times does she give it? 12 times maybe? And she just, yeah. I mean, it's almost sounds obnoxious. Like, is that a guy? Nope. It's a cow. And she's looking for a direction. She wants to know where they're at. She's not with other elk. And so when she gets that aggressive note like that, it will sound so far. And, oh, yeah, I've watched cows do it and just shake my head the first time I ever heard it. It was a long time ago. I thought it was a hunter and it kept getting closer and closer. And I was like, what in the world? I've never heard. Who is this guy? And out walks this cow. I'm not kidding you. 30 yards away. And she just kept going and she'd call and she'd listen and just yeah, until I could finally hear her go completely out. I never shoot cows. So, but it was just the fact that she went up and man, I went, I learned a lot that day uh just from that one. But anyway, I do stuff like that when I can't get them to sound off, but I know they're there. And I don't change anything I from yeah. state to state, eight of them. I don't care what elk they are. Yeah, ahead, no, I, I, I agree in the same sense. Um, what I saw a question earlier about the wind. What do you do on windy days? Which, I mean, that like, are you using asking our, me? You, yeah, exactly. Once the sun hits, uh, and normally when you have those windy days, though, or it's rolling so bad, it ain't a sunny day. It's usually inclement weather coming in. 
and it's just going everywhere. And I don't want to get close. Yeah. I want to know where they're at. And even if I hear one and it's that bad, you know, in all honesty, I can't push the envelope and go after them because I can't, it's not predictable enough. You're just going to blow them out of there. But it doesn't mean I still don't want to be there because I can easily leave and come back. And where do you think those elk are? They're right, right there. there. They're, or, oh, they'll be back to that point, but they ain't going anywhere. I didn't push them out. They're, they're right there. It's just like when I night call. I can't tell you how many times I've not called and went by elk an hour before daylight or so. And I can come back three mornings in a row. And if I didn't go after them and chase them out of the, into a new zip code, they're still right there. They just keep returning. And because there's usually when I'm doing it, I'm not around camps or trailheads or anything like that. So the same thing uh, applies. If I bump a bull at night, bumping a meaning I let him go. I don't, I don't want to mess with him because it's getting too dark. And I have to get out, come back in the morning. He's in that proximity. He's within earshot of, of, of me calling. And I've actually killed three bulls on the last day of the season where I found them the night before and went back in. There they are. And I mean, way more than that. That just happened to be on the last day. But prior to that, and I'm sure Cody enjoys that too, but calling at night when I was younger, I would do it at one, two or three in the morning. Now it's like, I got to go back. I have a hard time going to sleep. I got to get back up. Now I do it like an hour, hour and a half until an hour after daylight. If yeah. I feel like it, but yeah, you know. we, we used it uh, in New Mexico a couple mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, it, it was by daylight. It, things were shut down. And mm-hmm. Oh, I think we lost them. Froze up. Yeah, I'll give you know, him a second just, to come back here. Oh, there he is right there. Lost uh, you for a second, Cody. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Um, use, using night bugling to locate, like we were getting up at 3, 2 in the morning and covering as much ground. And the, the same deal is like we'd, we'd on, mark. On foot many, or were you driving? Uh, most driving. Honestly, okay, driving. This. Yeah. Just for the listener. And exactly. Yeah, I mean, and some, honestly, it was from the highway. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and we yeah. would mark as many as we could. Mm-hmm. have those okay well let's go after this one and we got a backup plan for you know later in the day or in the next day same mm-hmm. in same scenario and day after day you'd find them in the same spots like mm-hmm. you said um but it's a re- it's a really good tool but it is tough like that midnight one o'clock and doing this day in day out you got to sleep sometime right <laughs> that's what yeah. the afternoons are for on the hill yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. come on you have to admit you do nap once in a while on the I, hill, don't we you? do for sure <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, a good a good uh sunny spot yeah you know soft needles on the ground or some grass it's pretty i look forward to those times i mean i enjoy that sitting back throwing the pack back there and relaxing on the old XO with it all cushioned up and oh yeah i mean it's a i i enjoy those you know it's just it's part of the hunt it's like seeing beautiful country and lakes and water that's not even on the map and you get back there and you see how pristine it can be and beautiful it's like it's all part of the hunt it's not all about calling and killing something you know it's part of it but it's the complete picture and enjoying who you're with if you can share that with family and friends I mean, to me, as I get older and stuff, and even when I was younger, like you guys, I mean, I never, if there wasn't an elk there, you know, it was, it's just like, wow. You know, I don't know. It's hard to. We we were talking about this, just like all the places that elk hunting has taken us and the Mm -hmm. sites that we've seen. It's amazing. Wouldn't wouldn't have happened if I wasn't elk hunting. Like off trail and places that you would have, you know, if you were taking the family backpack and you would have never been in this basin 
or up on top of this ridge that just has views that you wouldn't believe. Yeah, they are, they're breathtaking. Yeah, and it, it, it I, like you said, you never take that for granted. And I think the one thing, like, talk about success for people, you know, is, is some people are so focused on the end result versus, like, the whole journey that exactly. got you to that point. Like, that's the success side of it, is enjoying that, the challenge of it, um, you know. So if you're new to elk hunting, I mean – Punching a tag is, is awesome, but it's it's not necessarily the ultimate part of success there. So Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, that's that's very true. Well, that's good stuff, guys. Let's maybe take um, a couple more questions as we're kind of – we've crossed the hour mark. It's, we've breezed by the hour mark. It's gone by so fast. It's been awesome. Um, <laughs> Cody, specific question for you about the contact buzz. Uh, Justin's asking if that was the sound that you heard from a cow on Aaron's hunt last year. Oh Not yeah. Ringing yeah. A bell for you. Yeah. Same I was smell. with war. Yeah. When uh, I was with uh, Aaron Warburton from the hunting public, we were in Wyoming. Um, and that morning it was interesting cause we got to hunt this. It's the first time that I'd stayed in one location for that long. It was 12 days when he finally killed. We watched those bulls come from a bachelor group on opening day. And there was nine bulls together to, you know, throughout then they separated next thing you know, cows, and that particular morning, there was three different herds within 300, 400 yard area. And it was an all out rut fest. And that there was a cow in there, contact buzz. And I mean, the bulls were going crazy from it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. So we had a call or a, a question earlier in the day, in the evening about lit ball bugles, uh, where they fit into your repertoire the question was about kind of how to master the sound as well, but you two want to discuss when you'll use a lit ball, kind of what that means um, from your perspective to an elk. Start it off, Paul. Oh, <clears throat> well, lit ball, you know, again, it's just a sign of emotion that a bull will use just like a grunt, a chuckle, you know, a coarse scream. Then you have a lit ball <clears throat> and uh, it all depends on the situation he's dealt with. <clears throat> you'll see bulls, use a lip ball toward another bull. You'll see them use them toward the cows. Uh, what's the most common? The most common is usually using them toward the cows. Uh, but again, all it is is a sign of emotion. It's just like, will a bull challenge a cow? Yes, of course he will. But what do you think who are hanging up? And he gets insistent with his calling. Maybe he started out with some chuckles and a short bugle. And now a lot of chuckles. And maybe a bugle's increasing in intensity because he is encouraging you to get your butt over there as you continue to call. He can now get to a scream, a yell, or a, a challenge type of a sound. That he, that's, how he do, that's how he views it. He doesn't view it as anything else. No more than you would yell at your best friend or yell at your wife or your kid. You can still yell and scream the same way. You don't change it. When you get so mad, this is what a bull can do. So when he's using a lip ball bugle, it can also apply. I've watched bulls crashing, banging, even on YouTube, crashing, hitting in the water, out of the water, and they're lip balling each other. And so, you know, I mean, they will use it as a sign of emotion, just real high energy and really ticked off at that moment for the situation they're presented with. So now when a bull is using a lip ball, like let's say he's gathering his cows together because he sees a possible threat like me, I cow called. I didn't think the bull was going to react to it. I thought maybe he would try to call me over to him. I mean, I've had this happen and he, we met eyes. 
and he's only 60 yards away. But I couldn't get any closer. It was so dang noisy. So I was trying to cover my ground a little bit at this time. But I'm watching them. They're feeding. And all of a sudden, he saw me. I saw him. He gave a quick roundup. And then he lip balled like three times. Just real short ones. Very short. And those things were out of there before I could even reach up and pick my nose. They were gone. And there they went. And it was a large herd. And so I've seen this happen many times, even in mentally, where I was calling to bulls and then I got lax. And I remember one time I was sitting on rocks, a little bit in the open, and a bull was well above me. And, I, and it's just super, super steep where I hunt. I hunt a lot of real steep country that keeps hunters out. And so <clears throat> uh, I was up there and all of a sudden out of nowhere, my son was sitting next to me and the bull lip balled out of nowhere. And he goes, well, they're gone, aren't they? I said, yep, they something must have walked up and they were probably three or 400 yards away and looked out of the timber line and could see a sitting down there. And that bull lip ball and that group was gone. I heard him lip ball and bugle again and then again and again. Got so weak. And, you know, you, you run into situations like that where the lip ball is used as a gathering together an urgent tone means action now. Take action very quickly, whether he, he he's talking to you. How many times have you cow called when it was working great and a bull does not want to leave his cows? And so he gets more aggressive in his tone and he can ultimately use a lip ball where it's like his, his final a uh, uh, biggest intensive uh, intensity of emotion trying to get you to come now. And when you don't, usually he starts drifting away because he knows something's wrong. You know, we're hunting over the counter out. These guys get called to a lot. So, I mean, the lip ball is usually used in that realm more times than not. But yes, it can be used from bull to bull as well because it's no more than a sign of emotion. It's not like they're saying words. They're, they're, they're just using uh, uh, that tone at that time. Now, you know, I'd like to hear what Cody has to say. No, in, in relation. same threat. And then when he's there in your face, and that intensity peaks, that's the same match in that. And a lot of times that's when you'll hear that lip ball um, or in the same sense of like bulls talking to cows, that short, real short lip ball, mm -hmm. um, having that communication there. Um, it's in that demanding, like it seems like that's near the peak of, of the excitement side of it when that's introduced, um, you know, in the challenge, anything like that. So um I have never like out of the blue, like the first bugle I ever hear out of a bull, generally speaking, is like if you locate bugle, he's not generally a lip ball back to you. It's, no, you no, know, no. You know, it's so, um, you know, we will use it in location at times just like mm -hmm. through the process. But it's not it's it's not one like if a bull responds, it's not instantly bringing that to him. You know, you got to work that work that emotion up to him to get to that escalation point. Yeah, and that's pretty much, I mean, that is it. That is how you do it. To, to try to put more into it than there really is would just be confusing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And it, it, people are asking, like, I saw, how do you do that? It's it's how you purse your lips together. So, I mean, you're, you're creating the buzz. So as <laughs> you're, you're exhaling that pressure, you bring those lips together. It, it's nothing more than that, you know, to get the initial sound out of it. So with a diaphragm in your mouth or in a tube with no diaphragm is now when you add, add a read into that mix.
just a short, I mean, it's that buzz. So throughout that bugle you, and you can mm -hmm. bring it in on the front end of that or on the back end of that bugle right. as well. So, but yeah, that's pretty much, that's, you know, that's the shooting match about it. And the only difference I tell when, when I'm working a bull is, is, is a lot of times when he's not given that he's given that growl kind of a, in his bugle. And, and, and I see that way more in the challenges. So if a person is trying to, uh, evaluate what he's hearing you know from is it a lip ball or is it more of a challenging uh, tone you'll hear the bull give more of the you know when you know and even though that's my voice with the butte with the with the reed and you combine those two together that's what you're hearing whereas the lip ball is a pretty distinct uh, sound which cody just did it was, I mean, that was perfect and 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 you'll notice the difference in those right there and no most of the time when i'm working a, a bull and i'm trying to suck him in whether it's solo or tag team they are so curious and there's a non-challenging situation and they want to know who you are because they know each other by sound sight and smell and so for this newcomer to come in it isn't a big deal for them to just meander their way over and i have noticed that if i quit calling when i'm doing something like like that an advertising thing for them then they usually will stop and 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 they just stand there and the calling picks back up and they start bringing them forward again and 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 that's one of the reasons why i like to call a lot in a situation when i'm in the situation not locating but when i already know they're there somewhere or i feel they're there and i'm going to try to suck them in that's why i don't like stop uh, i don't like to stop calling i call the entire time uh, enough to try to get my breath back but a lot it isn't loud it's just presenting myself there and, and a display in action in their little area. And it just, it just pulls them over. So, you know, it, it all depends on what a guy is trying to accomplish when he's out there, but a lip ball has its place. You know, it remember I, I told that story where I called that bull in my son shot the bull with a longbow and I called the bull right back in 40 minutes later. Uh, once we heard he had cows, he had wounded him. And he went back up to the bedding area to where he was bedded. And my son heard the cows as we were following the blood. And it was really low. He caught a branch and hit him in the leg and just buried right into the bone. And 40 minutes later, we heard the cows. And I got in there and I told my son, I said, this is a do or die. You already hit him. He's not happy. He may not want anything to do with this, but at the other side of the coin, he may just explode. So I'm going to try to call his cows from him because I can hear the cows now. So we got in there within, I don't know, we were 150 yards away and I lip balled. He blew down that mountain at us and Paul killed him on the second shot. <laughs> but I mean, That's awesome. You know, and so it's just one of those things. But I thought, okay, I already went hermano to hermano. I slow played the bull. It took me 20, 25 minutes to suck him in from one bugle is all we heard. And 20, 25 minutes, I ended up engaging him. He probably bugled over 30 times. He just screamed. And we kept going and kept going and kept going until at the very end, what sucked him in. I know this is off par for what we were talking, but I ended up hitting him with a hard grunt and a, and a challenge when he got to maybe 80. And he just blew in. And Paul shot and hit a branch that he didn't see. He thought he could get through with a longbow. They have some real trajectory and he hit it. And that's where he stuck him in the leg. But the second shot, I called him 25 and from both of us. I mean, I saw the bull coming in. It's just super thick. And as he came across, uh, it was so thick. Paul was maybe only 10 or 15 yards from me and I couldn't see him. That's how thick it is. Yeah. But I heard the I heard the bow, you know, that was the only sound I hit him with. And, and, and I, I did give some more after that, but I mean, when I did, he just 
came crashing down and I wasn't going to give a location bugle. Let's put it that way. I, I you know, I wasn't going to do that. And he already heard my sound. He knew who I was. He knew it was, you know, it was the same bull. Let's put it that way. He never saw my son. He never saw me even after the first shot. Never saw him. It was just that thick and, you know, he was wounded. So, you know, that was a situation where I did use the lip ball and I will use it uh, uh, at certain times. It just depends on it, but it's not a must sound. Can you kill elk without knowing the lip ball? Oh, yeah. All day long. Absolutely. You don't even need to know it if you don't want to. You know, it, it's more of a uh, as I grow into sounds and want to learn more and experience more and just want to learn it. But you don't it makes, have it makes to you know. feel it makes you feel good as an elk caller. Boy. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. But you don't right. have to know how to do yeah. the lip ball in order to do it. No, there's a lot of good things like that out there. You know, uh, there well, really just on, a, on another sound here, my, I don't want to derail us too far, but bark scream, bark chuckle. What's your um, take on that sound? I use all that. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. You got to yeah. use them all, man. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people won't want to use that bark. That's why I don't call it a bark unless nervous it is a bark. Scrim. I yeah. call it a nervous scrimp because it yeah. softens it. And I and I I want to immediately remove alarm bark out of the out of their thought process if they right. don't have a lot of experience. But it's the same thing. I know. Yeah, that. yeah. It's the same. It seems it definitely, like, and, yeah, and where it seems like it's like when they're hung up, they're looking for that visual confirmation of where that elk is. That's you'll hear that no, no, <laughs> yeah, super fast chuckle out of it. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. like okay, I've came as far. And you introduce I want to see you. <laughs> yeah, I want to see you. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes it, it works. Uh, I, I, a lot of times you just get the stalemate, you know, yep. with it. And so when I hear them give these days, you know, when I hear them, uh, most of the time they'll beat me to the nervous grunt. If I can beat them to it, usually I don't really get it going back and forth. But when they beat you to it and then you try to return it with whatever other sounds, it's kind of a, a match going back and forth and you lose a lot of them. And yeah. so the way I've killed few bulls doing this, and so has my son, is the minute they give it to me, I go right at them. There is no messing around. And when I do, that is when I resort to a cow sound because a cow sound is non-confrontational. So when I'm going at them and they hear all the crash, 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 I'm running at them. I'm not messing around. I'm going right at them because I know they're going to leave. They won't stick around that long unless you just want to entertain each other with those uh, with the same nervous grunts. I don't care if you add chuckles or a, a growl or whatever you want to add to it. It at Most times he never goes, OK, I'm coming over. You know, I mean, they just don't. And so I have found that as long as I have the cover and I have the wind, I cow call them and it just it throws a curve at them and they just stand right there. Even though I don't see him, I know I'm running, running, running at him as I'm calling. And as soon as I get to the last piece of cover, I'm knocking an arrow. I'm not running with an arrow knot. And I usually just draw and I stand right out. And I've killed a couple of bulls doing that where I, they, I just, they thought it was a cow that was going to pop out. And it's just like, and they're not white tails. They don't move that quick. You have enough time when they're 30 or under to place that pin on them fast enough and let that arrow go. And yep. so right here and don't move and so i what i as i left i just gave those short regathering views telling him to come follow me just <laughs> lengthen them out and i just walked away and i kept going away and that bull walked right by he's trying to see as i was leaving to catch up and paul killed him right there so you know a lot of times if you just play that game and make him think that you didn't have interest in him even though he gave the nervous grunt we did no calling we were heading out and we happened to jump him and he heard us and didn't know what we were and so like you he gave us that 
That's what he gave us right there. And he didn't know what it was. And so it was like, eh, heck with you. And so she starts walking away and he comes right over there. And, you know, you just never know what's going to work. And, uh, it, it, and that worked really good at that time. And it has worked in, the, you know, in the, in the future hunts after that. So there's all these little things, you know, guys, just don't give up. But when you get in that screaming match, you know, how many times have you been successful when you guys were trading that? It's a tough one. It's yeah, that it lot it is. It's the they're in the. What, sometimes what we'll do is we'll let them if if it comes to that standpoint like locked in, let them go off. Guys slip up, and a lot of times that bull will come back to that same exact yeah spot. So that you slip up quiet fast, and you can get them killed when they come back up. They'll come to the exact same spot to be like, okay, where are you at now? And you know. You get them killed that way. So. Yeah, well, good deal. Yeah, when it's standoff, it's tough. Yes, it is. It very and it is because most people don't want to quit calling. Most hunters don't, and so it ends up getting a separation there. Uh, that's a good point of of just shut up and sit there, and he'll think you left, and maybe he's going to come and smell the area out, send it out, you know, and see who that was. So I like that one. That's good. Yeah. Well, guys, we've uh, we've reached ninety minutes. Um, had some great questions, some great answers from you guys, some awesome insights. Um, appreciate our listeners uh, tuning in for this. Um, as I've mentioned in the the answers uh, to the questions you've asked about a replay, we are going to have a replay which will circulate to webinar um, attendees. And then um, Cody and I have talked about getting this um, uh, ripped down and and put on a born and raised uh, podcast episode too. So yeah. I'll get that out to listeners there. Um, we wanted to make sure that we um, got our giveaway done and, and thank EXO um, for, for offering up that gift card for tonight. Um, and so midway through the <clears throat> midway through the webinar, I uh, picked a random winner from the attendees. Um, Jeffrey Todd um, is our winner. I saw that he recently asked a question. And Jeffrey, I'm sorry we didn't get to your question, but hopefully um, $100 to EXO uh, Mountain Gear is a good mm-hmm. consolation prize for you. Um, so Jeffrey, I've got your email address. I'll shoot you an email afterwards. And I want to thank everybody for attending tonight. Uh, Paul, Cody, uh, maybe just sort of parting remarks here. Um, Cody, we'll let you go first. Um, What's going on with Born and Raised Call Co.? Um, Any updates that you want these guys to know about? Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're we're having fun over here. We're we're working on a bunch of new stuff. We've got, um, we released the arc frame this last year. Um, We're constantly working on that. Um, And this fall is crazy. We're chasing elk all over the place again. It's countdown is quickly <laughs> coming to zero so um we'll be in the elk woods here soon enough i'm i'm excited to go chase some bugles so i uh i appreciate your guys's time and and having me on here it's an honor to sit here and talk elk with with paul it's it's always exciting to hear his excitement about it too so <laughs> that's contagious absolutely it is um, Cody, one last thing I heard recently that you guys are going to be doing some sort of a, a film submission process from, uh, from hunters, right? What's how's yeah, that? Work? Yeah. So, uh, we're just encouraging people to get out there and document what they're doing in the elk woods. And we're going to have hmm. part of what we did with elk week this last year. Um, for next year, we'll have some viewer submitted videos on there on the channel. So it's kind of our way to pay back to some of the viewers out there that want to get into the filmmaking side. And if we can get more eyeballs on it, um, we're, we're really excited about that. We're going to air so submissions by the end of May, and we're going to air this uh, third week in July next year in 2023. So we're we're just it's uh, it's always a passion of mine to get more people out there and inspire them. And if 
they can carry a camera and document it. it it's really cool to see. Awesome. That's great, Cody. Um, and Paul, I guess you and I know what's going on in the Elknet app side. Anything that you want to say as far as an update there? Well, first of all, I want to ask Cody. Cody, what is Elk Week? So we we did it this year. It was uh, we did five videos every day upload. Um, we started off with a calling video. We did mm. um, shot angles, do's and don'ts, uh, gear dump, and then did a basically a highlight reel mashup, twenty bulls in twenty minutes. Oh. Um, so just kind of something for the YouTube audience, kind of spark the flame and get, get the intensity hotter coming into July. So, so you do this every year. You have an elk. Uh, this, this year was the first year we did it. Oh, yeah. We okay. had the idea and put it hmm. in place and it was well received. People loved it. Um, tuning in every night. So we'll continue rolling that next year. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So what did you ask Taylor? <laughs> okay. Sorry. So just any updates on the Elknet app side? I know we probably, have some questions about app release and schedule and, and I can answer those too, but I didn't know if you wanted to <laughs> chime in on, um, on kind of where your thoughts are with where the app's going. Oh man, I th I'm super excited about that. As you know, we've met a few times here now in the past and where the app has gone from when it first started, Cody, you, you'll, you'll have one. You, you have to see where it is now. It's, it's thing is really, it's awesome. Um, you know, just being able to share information like this with Cody and a lot of the information that Cody and I were bouncing around, it's all on the app. So for you guys that are taking notes and hope and, and trying to remember all this, uh, the, all that is on there at your fingertips. Um, and, and so much more. We didn't even talk about the cow party and, and how when we're rattling and, 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 and using the cow sounds specifically, but the cow party, on the app is really special. People are going to want to watch that video they, they, because this isn't just elk sounds. This is trying to show people how elk will talk and the sounds that they will use when they get in these little groups. And, 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 and that's what sucks bulls. A lot of people do uh, like to, when they're going hunting, they can put these, uh, have these episodes and play them and take some of the time off their long drives and whatnot. And, and, and cause I mean, there's just hundreds of hours of it. There's a, a ton of it. Um, it. It's the same as if Cody had the same thing, you know, people are going to want to listen to everything elk. I don't care who it is. And you guys probably do have uh, stuff like that available. And, and maybe in time here, on the app, we can uh, have something like that added to that page, Taylor, to where, you know, the born and raised guys have their podcast along with ours. And I mean, seriously, I mean, people, hunters just can never get enough of it. And and do we do things different? There's going to be some things we do different. There's going to be some overlap, but that's how you learn. You start going, mm -hmm. you know what? These guys are killing a lot of elk. Yeah, they're, this guy's doing this and this guy's doing this, but look at how much of the same they're doing. That's what we got to key in on. Some of the stuff I do is just fluff. I mean, oh, I mean, it really is. It's because oh, I want to try this, even though this has worked a hundred times. I want to do this now. You know, I want to see if I can, you, you know, see, see what the outcome is. And, and if you don't ever test yourself and challenge yourself, how do you know? You have to challenge yourself at times and, 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 and see what the outcome is. It doesn't mean you're doing stuff that's just dumb. But a lot of times you learn things from there. And so by people listening to these podcasts and for the nuggets that we're willing to share. And, and, and I know these guys have killed a lot of elk. 
no question. And he hasn't even touched the tip of the iceberg on what he could share. And, and, and I feel the same way. There's so much I didn't talk about, but you only got 90 minutes. So hopefully a lot of these podcasts we have out there, a different host required different information from us. So a lot of times it's good to listen to a lot of these different podcasts because some guys know how to draw stuff out that another guy didn't. So, you know, and, and, and really here's the ultimate goal, guys, to become a better elk hunter quicker. This is the only reason I ever started doing this 25 years ago is nobody was there to teach me. And, and, and I wanted to be able to share this information that I've gathered over all these years and help cut that learning curve down. That was my whole ultimate goal to the whole thing so that people, hunters could enjoy this with their sons, their daughters, their friends, and not just be a big camping trip. Even if it's your first or second year, you can start learning things now that both of us are sharing to up your odds of, 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 of having not just success, but enjoying the hunt further. And calling is a huge aspect of it. It's not the only thing, but once you get into calling a lot and understanding how to use the emotion and the tones, it, it, it's just a game changer. It adds to your developed traditional. And, and, and so I, I've, I've experienced a lot of it and I'll tell you what, there is nothing like calling out. There is nothing like calling them into bow range. That is the bottom line. And when you start doing that, you're going to think that whitetail hunt and mule deer hunting, nothing compares with it. Not that you won't ever do it, but nothing compares to calling elk. And if you'll put in the time, you will get out of it what you put into it. If you don't want to put much into it and you're one of them people that want maximum results with the least amount of effort, that's probably how you're going to, you know, what's going to happen. You need to put the time in and, 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 and look at, you can tell, I could just see how quick Cody went to a lip ball there. I can tell that this guy has practiced. He, he, he did not just pick that up and sound like a piece of crap. I mean, it, it actually was really good, Cody, but people need to do that. They need to spend the time and get those tones down. That's what builds your confidence and not shrink back when you're in a situation that requires calling. You have to have confidence in your ability or you will not say anything when you're out there. Yep. Man, that's I great. Okay, that was a short one. <laughs> that was a, uh, a great wrap up to the to the webinar, and just to uh, kind of anticipate some questions about the Elknut app update. Um, we really wanted to get oh, something. Oh yeah, I forgot out about to, that. But that's okay. We really wanted to get something out to the users, so we have pushed out kind of a limited release of the new Elknut app update. Um, it's just a web based model, and and has been a good way for us to gather feedback. Um, but but Paul's been patient with our team as we've worked through some kind of some finer points to make sure that the mobile app is the way that we really want it to be before we release it out to everybody. Um, so we're really closing in on a release date for the mobile app, and that will push out um, to both the App Store and the Play Store when it's ready. Um, and then you'll be able to create a login, access the new content. The old app will go away. The new app is going to be the path forward for the Elknet app. Uh, but we um, are really excited about the new content and tools that are on there. Um, and know that, that it's it's quality content that's going to be on there. So we're excited for everyone to give it a try. Are we still shooting for like next week sometime? And yeah. what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. Um, those are the That's the day we're zoning in on. It's, tar it's hard to pin an app developer down on an exact day, but, but we want to make sure that it, it's out there in time so um, users can navigate the new download feature, make sure that that's understood before you lose service and get out in the field elk hunting. So we're going to have this thing dialed in and I'm excited to get it out to everybody. Yes. I am really excited. This thing looks awesome. I, can't, really wait, I cool. can't wait to see it. It's pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, thanks guys. Well, thanks Cody. I appreciate that. No. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cody, thanks for your time tonight, Paul. Thank you for your time. <laughs>